Hi, this is Eileen Dietz, and you are listening to GeeksOfTheIndustry.com. Analysis offers the quickest method of probing the subconscious. First, Vicky will be placed under hypnosis. How do you do that? Well, there are many ways and methods. We intend to use a mechanical device such as this one here. Tuesday and Thursday, right? Tuesdays and Thursdays, you slice me up, you and your disgusting little group. Psychopath, psychopath, leaving no clue. What man can guess what next you will do? No, the doctors took them all away. Along with everything else. Looks like another case of looking for a needle in a haystack, sir. That dog's our needle. If you shoot somebody in the head with a 45 every time you kill somebody, it becomes like your fingerprint, see? But if you strangle one and stab another, and when you cut up, when you don't, then the police don't know what to do. They think you're four different people. What they really like, what makes their job so much easier, a pattern. What they call a modus operandi. That's Latin. Bet you didn't know a new Latin, did you? Big fucking deal. What? Nothing. It's like a trail of shit, Otis. It's like the blood droppings, my dear, you've shot. And all they gotta do is follow those droppings, and uh, pretty soon they're gonna find their deer. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and in the early part of the 1980s, the Canon Group was rapidly growing a reputation of a film company that made pictures inexpensively and quick. It was in this wave that young filmmaker David Paulson was tasked with creating a murder mystery centered around a group of damaged people being hunted by a deranged killer. 
the film was briefly released theatrically and lost in a sea of home video horror. And in September of 1980, Schizoid was released, proving the old adage that slow and steady saves the face. This week on the show, we are continuing the theme of March Madness with a film, oh boy, <laughs> that is all kinds of crazy? <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, when, when I decided to do this theme of March Madness, I did it last year, obviously, and I... I enjoyed doing it so I wanted to bring it back but then you know the, the conceit of the theme is that you you want to talk about movies that involve psychosis and and this film involves psychosis but I without giving too much away feel like you have to be kind of crazy to sit all the way through it um, and so I brought somebody along with me that's just as crazy as me and into weird sex stuff, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, am I am I giving too much away with this? Uh, 
co-host of this episode is a co-host of my life, a good friend, lovely lady, who I am just all kinds of Twitter-pated uh, when I when I think of her. Uh, the lovely and talented Miss Reanimator. How you doing? And yet you still made me watch this movie. Uh, you know, I, I had to... Somebody had to watch it with me. Better be glad I love me. you. <laughs> Somebody had to watch it with me, and I, you know, I, I felt like if I let anybody else sit in on this conversation, that it would be the last time that they sat in on a conversation <laughs> with me. So, I, I just, I, I felt like, you know, mm, yeah, this is kind of a re-movie. So I'm, I'm taking it for the team, huh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, later. That's after the show. <laughs> But um, we, we're talking about schizoid, and um, in order to discuss schizoid, I, I've, you know, I wanted to do something because we're talking about madness and everything. Um, so what I did is I pulled up a definition for schizoid personality disorder. disorder. And this is from psychologytoday.com, which is a, a frequented site for me, obviously. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so much time do I spend on psychologytoday.com. Uh, but uh, the word personality describes deeply ingrained behavior, patterns, and the way individuals perceive, relate to, and think about themselves in the world. Personality and traits. Personality traits are enduring patterns of perceiving, relating to, and thinking about the environment and oneself as they exhibited in a wide range of social and personal contexts. A personality disorder has the characteristics of an enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that deviates markedly from the expectations of the individual's culture, inflexibility, and pervasiveness an onset in adolescence or early adulthood stability over time and causing significant impairment in functioning or internal distress personality disorders are not isolated atypical episodes of maladaptive behavior <laughs> maladaptive that's yes. a college word right there it sure is <laughs> schizoid personality disorder is a pattern of indifference to social relationships with a limited range of emotional expression and experience. The disorder manifests itself by early adulthood through social and emotional detachments that prevent people from having close relationships. People with it are able to function in everyday life but will not develop meaningful relationships with others. They are typically loners, and may be prone to excessive daydreaming as well as a forming attachments to animals. They may do well at solitary jobs others would find intolerable. There is evidence indicating the disorder may be the start of schizophrenia or just a mild form of it. People with schizoid personality disorder are in touch with reality unless they develop schizophrenia. I'd say that's that's a fair um, breakdown of what we're about to get into. <laughs> uh, um, I, you know, it, 
the the this, the problem with this film, and and we'll get into that after we we talk about the synopsis, um, is that there isn't a lot of like obviously you know there's there's an element of therapy in the film, um, but I don't feel like like I feel like schizoid as a title was just something that somebody decided. Oh, this sounds like a good name for this movie. Well, I mean, there was a psychiatrist and crazy people, so yeah. Yeah. I think that was all of the... the all of the thought that went into it. All the of the thought that went into it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we get into the actual movie, I just wanted to take a breath from reading and address it, because, you know, if you if you read somebody else's work, but then you don't conversate about it, then you're plagiarizing, and I don't, I don't want to ever be accused of plagiarizing. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we're going to uh, read the synopsis now for 1980's Schizoid, and this is by Brian C. Madsen. So, um, <clears throat> put on my reading glasses, and here we go. Julie is an advice columnist for the city newspaper who begins to receive anonymous notes threatening murder and worse. What's worse than murder? Um... <laughs> a, like, torture? Once, once you've murdered somebody, does it get worse? <laughs> Is it, isn't murder kind of the be-all, end-all? I, I digress. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> At about the same time, female members of the group therapy session she attends are being stabbed one by one by an unknown assailant. Is there a connection? If so... <laughs> if so, why do the notes talk about murder with a gun while the murder victims are being stabbed? At first, the police, her ex-husband, her therapist, and her friends all assure her that the notes are probably unrelated and hoax. But with time, it becomes apparent that someone close to her is responsible. Is it her therapist, Pieter, who has sex with his patients just before they're murdered, or Pieter's daughter, who resents Julie for Julie's romantic involvement with Pieter? Is, Julie's, is it Julie's ex-husband? who never really wanted their divorce? Or maybe Gilbert, the eccentric building <laughs> maintenance man who many people believe is a little crazy anyway. Just about everyone around her seems mentally disturbed enough to be the culprit. <laughs> yep! <laughs> Basically. Yep! <laughs> This is a film of broken people. <laughs> yeah. This fucking movie is so goddamn broken. And it's a movie, I was about to say. <laughs> and uh, it is a, a canon film. Uh, and I don't know if you know much about the the canon distribution company, but uh, the the Golan and Globus fucking uh, are two fucking. Uh, Middle Easterners that 
they're they're from the Middle East. <laughs> I guess Middle Easterners is probably a taboo or or racist racist <laughs> term uh, to describe them, but it, it fits. You know, they're 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 from one of those Middle Eastern company countries. They they made movies on the cheap, like. A lot of the times when people think of schlock, they think of Roger Corman or Lloyd Lloyd Kaufman. Um, but there was a time, and it was the early 80s, um, when these two guys were churning out hundreds of films a year. Hundreds. And, and they did this by keeping the bottom end low, or the bottom line low, and um, getting actors that were not necessarily in their heyday anymore, but had enough of a name attached to them that they could, you know, really kind of capitalize on that. And, you know, because they made them for so cheap, they were making money hand over fist. And there's there's actually a really cool documentary on Canon Films. I think it's still available on Netflix. Um, but um, if you don't know much about Canon Films, go out of your way to find out about them because... Um, they they were kind of the quintessential schlock producers of the 80s. They did a lot of the Chuck Norris films. Um, they okay. did the uh, the Masters of the Universe film. They, they did a bunch of really just kind of, you know, wacky bonkers kind of 80s action <laughs> fare. But then, you know, the way that they had really gotten their start, the way that they were able to rise in prominence was by making these really low-budget horror films. And um, the director, David Paulson, was told by them that he had one month uh, to have a screenplay ready that could be shot for under a million dollars, that could feature Klaus Kinski, um, who was under contract with them, and he only had a month to secure crew and shooting locations. So... He did this, like, on the fly, and it's very fucking clear that it was done on the fly. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it features a very, very young um, Christopher Lloyd. So young! This was in the days that he was doing Taxi, so, you know, again, you, you get that kind of recognition for something that's already pre-existing, um, so people are going to be you know, curious or at least interested in some way, shape, or form. Um, it also stars uh, Craig Wasson, who was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, most notably to me. Um, he was the, the lead doctor who had the kind of um, subtle romantic relationship with Nancy. Um, and um, so there's, you know, there's those elements, but then you get Klaus fucking Kinski, who I don't know if you know much about Klaus Kinski, but um, he's one of those guys that worked with Werner, Werner Herzog like a lot, and um, was just kind of uh, next level, over the top, kind of big, you know, actor and like there are people that love the shit out of this dude um I personally hate this fucking guy 
<laughs> and I, I just, I, I don't like him as a human being. I don't like his work. And he, he, he reminds me of the, the theatrical equivalent of Rocco Sigfredi. I don't know if you know who Rocco is, but nope. uh, it's, it's a, he's a porn actor. Um, okay. And it just kind of, you know, he, he has this really European douchebag quality to him. And I, I've, I've kind of a European douchebag. Yeah. Or? I've, I've never seen a film of his that I enjoyed, you know, that being said, I haven't seen all of his work, obviously. Um, but I've like legit, if somebody knows of a good Klaus Kinski film that they could point me in the direction of, I would fucking be totally into finding out more of why this dude was a thing. But, um, yeah, he's, he's kind of hot garbage and he's even more hot garbage, um, in this movie. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just, there's, uh, just the, the weirdest relationship with his daughter and, um, in the film, but also in real life. He, uh, his daughter came out and basically said that her father repeatedly raped her as a child. Ah! So. He was awfully creepy with his daughter in the movie, so. Yeah. And, um. I guess he had practice, and. Yeah, uh. There's, there's this whole article that came out in, uh. 2013, January of 2013, where uh, Paula Kinski basically said that he was he was just a fucking rapist, and it, like I, I just I don't know, dude. Like it's an ugly thing, but it's even more ugly because of the character that he plays. Like I, I I'm watching this movie, and he has these moments with his daughter that are just really fucking creepy and just gross and the whole time super gross in the back of my mind i'm thinking this is the same dude that i know fucking raped his daughter <laughs> so you know i'm like, glad i didn't go into it knowing that yeah because i mean and i would say i would go so far as to say that of every person that acted in this film Donna uh, Wilkes, who plays his daughter Allison, is probably the strongest actor. But that's like saying I'm the I'm the smartest idiot <laughs> because there, there's there's no point in this film where I'm watching it. Where, was I like, oh man, I'm so invested in these people and what they're doing, where they're going. Uh, the the murder set pieces in the film were just atrocious. I don't I don't know if screaming like a lunatic is acting. Yeah. Because that's all she did. Yeah. And the scene where she's essentially acting like she's gonna kill herself. And mm -hmm. and he's he's like, no, Allison, I love you, I love your mother. <laughs> like, uh, 
Why am I supposed to care? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and then uh, the scene where uh, Julie is at dinner so, with Pietro. Oh god, that was such an awkward scene. <laughs> he, he's just like, I, I told you, it, it was like the dude from the room. <laughs> <laughs> what a story, Mark. It's just that's that that it was that level of fucking performance. <laughs> like, and, you know, he, he's like, I told you, I don't like you wearing your mother's clothes. So she strips. <laughs> yeah, she whips it. She rips the dress off, literally. It's it's just it's it's really really uncomfortable and uh, the the level of nudity in this film also it's just like why <laughs> uh, uh, the it's, it's not even great nudity yeah uh, I don't know the sex scenes are gross oh my goodness that one with the oh, was she burlesque dancer or something? And, and she's like doing the stand-up fucking. Yes, against the wall. That yeah. That's some of the most awkward sex I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the only person. I had person... a hard time telling the women apart. I, I say that that's fair, because they they do that scene in the beginning of the film where they're sitting, they're all in that hot tub, and it's just like this just looks like a bunch of the same chick. Yeah, they all have the same brown feathered hair they're all the same height, build mm -hmm. generic little faces and I'm like is this the stripper is the stripper actually doing the article no no that's a different person mm -hmm. okay now who is he fucking I couldn't tell and uh, like <laughs> There were there were ideas in this that I could have gotten behind. The the idea that he's using his his practice as his own personal brothel. That yeah. you know, he he's you know, taking advantage of these emotionally um, vulnerable women. Like that that is fucking an interesting concept to me. Like a really interesting concept that they could have really played up on much more. They could have played up on the therapy sessions much more. Mm -hmm. But it And that just, would make us care about the people more too, I would yeah, think. It just it felt like bad giallo. And I'm I'm sure that giallo isn't a word that's in your repertoire, but uh no, it's not. It, it essentially in the in Italian cinema there are these murder mysteries called giallos. And um, Dario Argento is, you know, one of the more known of the filmmakers that worked within the giallo genre. Um, but, you know, there's there's certain tropes that go into a giallo that, you know, are absolutely implemented in this. The use of gloves, the killer that you only see the hands, the gloved hands, mm -hmm. you know, um, kind of sexually explicit. Uh, moments, people for unknown reason, um, you know, because there's so many red herrings, there's always someone that just says, you know, I just decided to go driving. There were two situations where they'd use that. Christopher yeah. Lloyd's character says, 
You know, I just like to just go driving and, and sometimes I'll just go walking. You know, so then they have an alibi that nobody can account for. And then the dollar, Allison also does the, I just, I just felt like going driving. And, and I was just driving. Yeah. You know, if, if they would have had the J&B bottle, then they would have really literally almost covered every single bit, except, uh, you know, in Giallo's, they, a lot of the times would employ uh, the band Goblin for their musical scores. Uh, they did not get Goblin. <laughs> they got somebody with a wonky-ass Casio and just were like, just hit chords, guy. Just, just fucking, just do you, boo-boo. <laughs> and they, they just, they, like, it, it felt like at no point, and, and maybe, and, I, and I'll, I'll say this, maybe if they would have went with a different actor, Aside from Kinski, who that character shouldn't look like the villain the entire time. He shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You you should be able to, you know, glom off of him that you know he's supposed to be a nice guy, but he's he's got his own personal demons. He's got his own things that he's dealing with. Um, I would go so far as to say if you were to put Craig Wasson in that character I I think he would have done a much better job as Peter and he could have just been Peter <laughs> you know what I mean you know what I mean yeah. uh, I, I just I think he's a much stronger actor I think he was at all yeah uh, I, I felt like uh, Doug was such a poorly drawn character and you know, I think it's spoiler alert time. We're we're going to reveal the killer. The, um, the, the scenes were also disjointed. I had no idea what was going on half the time. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I, I it, they they have a moment in the beginning of the film, the first murder, like it it's supposed to be a chase, but then out of the blue, he's stabbing her. Yeah. You you know what I mean. Like, the, the timing and the editing of that scene doesn't allow for any tension. There's no tension built with what they're doing. And that's kind of, you know, that kind of carries on throughout the film. Every single time there's a scene where, you know, the killer is attacking, there's no tension built. You, right. you, don't, you don't really understand what's happening until it happens. He, and he then, just waves some scissors at her and... And, you know, uh, like, they do things where, like, you, you see the glove compartment open and the scissors are there, and that's a good tension builder, but then they don't they don't continue to build off they of it. They don't build off of it, yeah. And so I, I felt like there were, there were ideas and concepts that in place that the director wanted to use, but he didn't have the proper time to really develop those things. I think, mm-hmm. you know, he was trying to do a giallo, but... It, it does seem very thrown together. It, and, and that doesn't help. It doesn't help when everybody feels like a red herring. You know? Yeah. And, and not, not even like... There, there's no subtlety to it. 
the, the scene with, with Christopher Lloyd in the in the elevator with Julie is oh my god the elevator scenes uh, it's just brutal <laughs> I don't think that I've I've ever with the exception of maybe the Day of the Dead bloodline been this shitty consistently throughout a review about any <laughs> fucking movie that we've ever covered and uh, one of the things I did you know in the last theme with Women in Danger Month is I picked films that I hadn't seen and did them as first time watches I'm doing the exact same thing this month because uh, you know preconceived notions about films going into a review like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick a movie that I intentionally think is bad to be shitty about it I, right. I'm picking movies that I haven't seen and then answering or giving my honest opinion based on what I watched um, this was not good this was not a good movie at all no. so uh, if it's alright with you because I I feel like we, we've said pretty much... We haven't said who the killer was. Let's spoil that right now. Okay. Um, so, it turns out that the killer is fucking Julie's ex-husband, Doug. And... Okay, so I... Yeah, okay. Hey, like, I wasn't sure if Doug was the same guy as the ex-husband or if he was just, like, a maintenance man. He... And and that I, was I didn't I couldn't tell if they were the same person or not. Because at, at certain points he's wearing a suit, and mm-hmm. you know, like when he's talking about, you know, I really, really think we could try to work this out. And she's just like, Nah, bruh, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so he's he's one way, and then there's the scene where he goes to fucking see her, and she's getting fucked by Pieter. She's taking that Pieter, and, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he tries to climb the fire escape, and the dude, you know, chases him off with a fucking bat or whatever. And, and again, it's just like, like we had talked about when we were talking about, uh, when a stranger calls. There was, there was no point where he felt like a threat. <laughs> you know, like, you, you make him look like I a pussy. See- I did see one second where he randomly, they were like, he was standing next to some shelvings talking to, I think it was Julie, and he picked up a pair of scissors and put them back down. Yeah. That was it. And, you know, he... The rest of the time he was hanging wallpaper and acting like completely two different people. And he was just like, hey, by the way, you guys, I'm doing wallpaper. I don't know if anybody notices, I'm working on (laughs) wallpaper. Right here, uh, ooh, That's look at me! I thought he was the maintenance man. <laughs> and and so just so they could say, oh, there was there was glue on the scissors, you know, the kind of glue you yeah. use for wallpaper. Wallpaper. Oh, fucking mind oh, blown! Oh my god! <laughs> and then Allison was the one writing the creepy ass notes. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anything to do with each other at all. Yeah. Right? So, okay. So why do it other than to fucking try to create mystery that nobody gives a fuck about? <laughs> like, I can see where it could have been a good movie. Yeah. But the execution was awful. It, like, th- this story had so much potential to be great. And it took but, so long. 
Yeah, rewrote me while she was watching the movie, and she was just like, "Oh my god, this movie is fucking forever." (laughs) (laughs) It's an hour and a half, you guys. (laughs) I'm like, how have I been watching an hour and a half long movie for three hours? Yeah, how it's not over yet? Oh my god, it's still twenty more minutes. Yeah, this shit needed to end. Like, (laughs) pacing, style, look just like they missed the mark so many times and again this this had the potential of being something and it just wasn't so let's let's reaper this bad boy uh where are you landing Ray? uh there's nothing redeeming about this film except for maybe the premise that it could have been a good story mm-hmm. so like point five. I'm coming in with the exact same score, straight yeah. up. This uh, and and I feel like we've both kind of given our reasonings behind this. Uh, this this had all the potential of being a quality horror film, a quality yeah. you know mystery giallo. Could have been interesting with all of the different like the, like you said the the psychiatrist stuff and the therapy stuff and could have been fascinating. Yeah. But they, they tried to serve way too many masters. They, you know, they created all of these plot holes that just were unnecessary. They they didn't make their cast diverse in any way. So it was hard to keep heads or tails of who you were supposed to care for, who was in danger, what was going on. They, they just yeah. really had a hard time being coherent. And it was that lack of coherency that ultimately made this film suffer. I think, and, I, and I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, that if you were to look at the screenplay for this film, it would be a totally different movie than what we actually saw. Yeah, I would bet that would be true. And I would love for somebody to remake this, give it the time and the respect that it deserved, and this would mm-hmm. be a quality fucking horror film. Who do we get on that? Um, well, actually, if I were going to pick somebody to do that, uh, I just did an episode of The Screaming Room uh, where I had covered a film called uh, Close Calls, which was directed by uh, Richard uh, Stringham. And he is one of those guys, in my personal opinion, that has a feel for like you see elements of Argento just visual style wise in in his film work and this felt like like Bird with the Crystal Plumage directed and written by a guy who had seen Bird with the Crystal Plumage and thought yeah I could do that and and it just it did work, and it could have worked, but it just didn't. Um, so yeah, point five for me. I, I just, I really think, you know, you get a you get a director that gives a shit about what they're saying and what they're trying to convey. You're gonna get a much better film. But you know, the the, the biggest, I think, one of the biggest things that you could do right off the bat to make this film work is diversify your cast. You know. Um, make them look different. Give them characters. 
Definitely. You know, uh, give them a different psychosis that they're each dealing with, but they're all coming together in this group. You know, mm-hmm. when you when you play up a group dynamic, you need to diversify and differentiate. You know what they're dealing with. They should all have something that's broken by them. You know, and the idea of yeah, we never really got a sense of what anyone's problems were, except that one girl was getting divorced. Yeah, and it felt like much more of a therapy session when they were in the hot tub than when they were yeah. actually in therapy. <laughs> And Christopher Lloyd is lonely. That's yeah, it. he's a lonely ass dude that clearly. Man, looks they like spent a, a lot of time on that. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. He they, was nothing. They spent time on things that went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, plugs, my lady. Tell people where they can get your ponies in their life. Ponies? Well, they can get them at Repackaged Ponies. Ooh. R-H-I- Packaged Ponies or Twitter at Reponies. I'm uh, almost finished with the Game of Thrones series now. That's We're, that's pretty fucking great. I'm working on Baratheon at the moment, as we speak, actually. Do you have a Reek pony? I do not have a Reek pony. Reek's my favorite character. <laughs> I have I have a Greyjoy pony. What about a What about a mountain pony? Um, no. Um. You would just have to do like a like a really big pony. <laughs> a really big pony. <laughs> I'm just doing eight houses, not really specific characters. You, so you didn't do a Ned pony? No, but the Stark pony is pretty Nedry. Nedry, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Middish. <laughs> Winter is coming in a pony. That's right. Mm. Ew. Ew. <laughs> 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 oh, boy, if if you were a fan of Schizoid and you're really upset at us for talking as poorly as we did about it, first of all, I'm going to just say why. Uh, but you've been... <laughs> but you've enjoyed the show how you can enjoy the show after we just shit on a movie you enjoy whatever but you want to find out more maybe this is your first episode you can find out about us in a couple of different ways you can start by going and listening to the back catalog of podcasts listen to the interactions that me and Reed have had on this show they're fun uh, we started with I Spit on Your Grave so <laughs> it, oh, no we actually started with Last House on the Left and, and it just it just got weirder the more we went and uh, yeah <laughs> now we're now we're talking about schizoid it's yeah. it's something uh, but go back listen to the back catalog you can do that in a couple of different ways you can find us on Apple Podcasts Stitcher GeeksOfTheIndustry.com kind of wherever you listen to podcasts you find that chunky Larry's creature features and there we are um. If you want to get into our social media world, you can do that in a few different ways as well. You can start by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CreaturePod, by following us on Twitter and Instagram at CreaturePod. Um, you know, I plan on not rushing and pushing these episodes out at the last minute like I did last month and the month before. I'm getting my bearings. Um, I hope you guys, you know, are enjoying the shows. 
found. But definitely fucking, you know, give us some feedback. Feedback always helps with, um, you know, inspiring us to continue doing this thing that we do. Uh, you know, I'm not asking for money, but if you wanted to buy a shirt, you could do that. Uh, it's uh, geeksoftheindustry.squarespace.com. Is where you can buy a Creature Features T-shirt. You know, if you wanna, if you wanna help in that way. But really, all I really care about is feedback on the show. You know, the the comments on the social medias, the reviews on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. That stuff goes a long way for us. It it helps the show out. It helps us get into more ears. So that's a good way to you know. Let us know what you're thinking. I want to know what you're thinking. (laughs) Uh, But we will be back next week. We are going to be discussing. uh, It was it it closed the month last year, uh, but it's the next to last this year. I'm talking about the follow up to the iconic film Psycho Psycho 2. It's a big number two. I don't know if it's a big number two. I haven't seen it yet. And, you know, I'm a horror fan, but I haven't seen Psycho 2. What's wrong with me? I guess we'll find out next week when uh, we discuss Psycho 2. But if you haven't seen it, go out of your way to see it. And I'll, I'll say this. I'm going to say it now, and I'll probably say it on the episode. I have a DVD copy of Psycho 2 that I haven't opened up yet. I'm going to open up just to watch for the episode but I'm going to I'm going to make a little contest. I'm going to uh put on our Facebook page facebook.com/creaturepod. I'm going to ask a question and whoever answers it the best will win the copy of Psycho 2 that I have for the review of Psycho 2. I'll even like write something in it. Um, and send it to you. So, if you haven't already, go like our Facebook page, look out for the question, and then we'll do the Psycho 2 episode, and then when we close out the month and we get into the next month, I'll announce the winner in the first episode of the next month. Seems fair, right? Right. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's super convoluted, but so was Schizoid. So if you were able to get through Schizoid, you could kind of understand what I just said. And, uh, and I'll be a little bit more clear on the Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash creature pod to find out all about this fucking uh, contest, I guess, uh, for a copy of Psycho 2 that was watched by me for the review of Psycho 2. That will also have my signature, whatever, um, some fun little thing written in there, and it'll be for you. And I'll send it to you with a, you know, with a nice, you know, listen to someone you trust or whatever the fuck. Um, but that's gonna do it for us, you guys. So, for Reanimator and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. Listen. Someone you trust.